Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of To The Point Podcast. Hope you guys are all having a great Friday so far. Um, really had fun on the podcast yesterday. I've got some good feedback from people. Um, it's all in fun, you know, me, me, me making fun of uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, they're obviously a good team, and uh, but unto the point here, we it's in the name. We get to it, and it's I'm not gonna again. I don't kiss ass for no for no reason. You got to earn it for me to say that you're you're a, a great team, and uh, I don't think the Toronto Maple Leafs have done enough yet for me to do that. So I just had to address it off the top. So you know, Leafs Nation, I, you're probably mad at me today, and you're probably a little sour. But you know, there's always Tim and Sid and overdrive and those shows where you can, you know, hear great things about Toronto 24 seven. So tune back in here when you want the full ob- objectivity and when you're a fan and you just want to hear great things, tune in there. So you can listen to both. So that's, that's kind of my, my advice for the day. Um, last night in the NHL, a lot of action. Um, obviously some, some games that uh, didn't involve Canadian teams that I'm going to talk about today that were of interest to me and uh i'm also going to talk about the australian open really a busy night down under um currently novak djokovic is in the fifth set against uh against taylor fritz injured himself about the one 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 the third set he pulled his groin or something again tennis i think you can use injuries a little much more than people like to think they use injuries whenever they lose a match i mean we've seen that for years um joke but djokovic is in the fifth set um if, if he wins or loses while I'm live here, I'll, I'll keep you guys posted. But uh, Dominic team coming back from two sets down to Nick Kyrgios last night. Uh, Serena Williams uh, winning. I'll mention the all-Canadian matchup that uh, went at about 4 a.m. this morning. So um, a lot happening in the world of sports. Also, a great start to the Pebble, Pebble Beach Pro-Am for, for a lot of guys. Yes, Jordan Spieth, after a good weekend um, at Waste Management, he seems to be finding his game a little bit. Um, that's, that's a good thing for golf. I think Spieth, obviously after that Augusta meltdown, uh, he never really found his game again. It's been a couple of years of him, you know, bare, missing a lot of cuts, yelling at caddies, firing caddies and, um, you know, being the, the quote unquote wonderkind so, so early in his life, I think it really hurt him. And, uh, you know, I, I hope he can find it cause he's an intriguing guy. He's a good golfer and, uh, obviously, uh, an intriguing guy in the sport. But, you know, Patrick Cantley, uh, great day yesterday. He leads the Pebble Beach Pro-Am by uh, a stroke heading into today. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But last night, you know, there's a bunch of games. And I said, what, which one am I going to focus on tonight? And what I do is I put one game on my TV, and then I get my computer out, and I put one on there. So I had the Florida-Tampa Bay game on my TV, and then my laptop, I had the Penns Isles. Um you know, the Florida Panthers, because of the central division and all this COVID, it's been so, you know, it's, it's gone unnoticed how good they, they've been playing this year. Um, just a few players that really come to mind. You know, Carter Verhege. If I say Carter Verhege, most people are like, what? Who's Carter Verhege? And for good reason. I mean, he hasn't really done a lot in any Chelly played last year in Tampa Bay scored uh, nine goals in 50, you know, two, 52 games. He really didn't make a big impact. You know, this year, he's already got seven goals for the Florida Panthers. He's a point-per-game player after 11 games. Is he going to be a point-per-game player all year? Probably not. But we're seeing these guys that you wouldn't think of contribute. Alexander Wenberg at Columbus Castoff, who you know, didn't get along with Torts 
but he, he's coming to Florida. He's playing in a higher role and he's finding some success. Um, also, Patrick Hornquist, you know, this Pittsburgh trade, you know, I, I think Jimmy Rutherford's a, a great GM. He's, a, he's already in the Hall of Fame. But trading Hornquist for Michael Matheson didn't make any sense to me. You're taking a bad contract for a bad contract. I'd rather keep Hornquist than have a, a defensive liability, a guy who barely gives you anything offensively. Matheson has been a disaster in Pittsburgh. He's been injured. He hasn't been playing. Again, Hornquist, 11 games in, he's got 11 points on the season. He's scoring goals. He's contributing. Again, he's got that, he's got something to prove. When you give a guy something to prove and he's got to go in and earn it and show people you made a mistake here, that's kind of the Florida Panthers team. I mentioned Wenberg, Marcus Nudavara, who is also in Columbus. He's playing good hockey for them. We're seeing a lot of guys just come in and earn it. You know, Verhege was in Tampa Bay last year. He didn't play. He was a black ace during the playoffs. Now he's in Florida and earning it night in, night out. And last night, obviously Tampa, Stamkos did not play last night. So I'll mention that off the top. But I mean, Tampa won a cup last year without Stamkos. Obviously, there's still no Kucherov. But they have that roster that's still stacked to the nines with great talent. And it, it really shocked me last night the way Florida, their compete level on pucks, they're not the most skilled team. They have a bunch of players that you'd be like, who is that? But they work hard. And that's the big thing for Florida. They can fly. You know, they, got, they drafted Owen Tippett a few years ago. And he was a guy who's really criticized in junior for being a lazy goal scorer. He kind of had that Patrick Line type uh, grade on him where he didn't give you full effort all the time. He had all the potential in the world, but it just didn't come together because his work ethic was not at the level it needed to be. And, you know, for, for him last night I, on the first goal, you know, he's working down below. He gets a shot saved by, um, by Vasilevsky. He doesn't give up. He battles behind the net, gets the puck, separates himself from the D, throws the puck right out in front. And who's wide open is Frank Vitrano, who puts it between the legs of uh, Vasilevsky. It's one nothing. These simple things. Again, Vitrano was a Boston cast off. He's here. They, they have a team full of guys that really haven't, made a big splash in the NHL when it comes to, and they, these guys probably won't. I'm not saying these guys are going to be superstars. I think Owen Tippett has, has a lot of potential. I, I would keep my eye out for him when it comes to seeing what he can do at the NHL level consistently. Cause I think he's a, a very good player, but you know, Vitranos, the Verhegis, they're not going to be superstars, but if a team has that edge about them has, I think in the Columbus blue jackets, the last number of years, they certainly did not have the most talented team. I mean, they've had Seth Jones, one of the best defensemen in the past decade uh, in the NHL, but you don't have that offensive firepower. You know, I, I, in game five against Toronto, Liam Foody scored a goal. I mean, Liam Foody was playing in his fifth game in, in his career in the NHL. That's tells you a lot about Columbus. You know, they got like Scott Harrington's, these guys that aren't household names, but they win. And for Florida in the division they're in, you know, a lot of the teams are built like them. Columbus is in their division. Columbus is honestly a tad bit more skilled than Florida for me. Huberto and, and Barkoff are very elite, elite players. But after that, it drops. I mean, Ekblad has been, you know, he was drafted first overall, has not been the defenseman that they thought they were getting. They also got Keith Yandel back there. They got Anton Strawman. They got some veteran defensemen that are good, but not, you know, elite, elite players is what I'd say. And 
But for Florida, it's work ethic. They outworked Tampa Bay last night. A 5-2 win. They outworked them. They they just brought... I mean, the first last first 10 minutes of the first period and then the first 15 of the second, it was all Florida. Tampa would get the... And they would just force turnovers. And they, good defensemen. Sergachev was having a really rough night. McDonough, he, you know, he's one of the best defensive defensemen there is in the game. He was turning pucks over. It was just forwards making defensemen make stupid decisions. And it led to goals. It led to power plays. It led, you know, it led to them scoring. Second period, draw a penalty. Aaron Eckblad, bomb from the point, goes in. You know, another thing about this team, they go to the net. Sometimes when you're not a skilled team, you're not going to be able to, you know, go Austin Matthews bar down from far outside. You need to get to those dirty areas, get in the crease, get whack away at pucks. And we saw that uh, Wenberg's goal. It was a two on one. He goes to the net, he taps it home on the Verhege goal. He throws the puck from the right side uh, half boards, hits off a D skate back of the net. These things can happen. Some, again, that was just a lucky bounce, but getting to the front of the net is something that this team you got to do. And, you know, they obviously got Joel Quenville and he's one of the best coaches in the history of the game. Um, obviously the first year is a bit of a disappointment. Uh really was a mess. He played well last night. And for me, if he can be a solid net minder, he's four Oh and one, not great numbers under 900 save percentage coming into the game last night. But if he can just be a reliable, stable force for them, they, with this division, you never know. Like, I really like Tampa. Obviously, they lose last night. They didn't look great. You know, Braden Point potted a, a pair of goals, both power play goals. But five on five, it was the Florida show. It was just domination. I'm not worried long-term about Tampa Bay after one loss. You know, I'm not going to pump the brakes on them being the best team in the NHL because they still are. But for Florida, if Bobrovsky can give you stable goaltending, why can't you beat out the Columbuses of the world, the Carolinas? You know, four teams make the playoffs. So you go Tampa, Carolina, Columbus. You're battling with Dallas, probably. You know, that's the team you're you're right there with with Dallas to make the playoffs. Why can't you be better than Dallas? I think they can. You know, talking to Shane Turner last night uh, with Craig on under review. You know, they got a lot of injuries there. You know, they got Hudobin in net. They they just coming off a cup final. They're going to be tired, I think, later in the season. Playing all these games with them playing in the bubble until, you know, as long as they did. You know, Florida's going to be a fresher team at the latter stage of the season. So, I it was just an impressive game for me last night. I hadn't watched much of Florida. I've seen them play. Um Detroit on the weekend a little bit, but again, that was hard to watch, but I, um, I like Florida. I think they're a team that that's going to work hard. They're not going to outskill you other than, you know, Huberto, Barkoff and a few others, but they're, they're a workman like team that you should watch out for. Cause you never know. Uh, you just never know when these teams are going to click. And I think Columbus has have, and, you know, Q is certainly, a good enough coach to get these guys in, in a position to, uh, to succeed. But yeah, uh, like I said, for Tampa Bay, I'm not worried about them. Uh, they play Florida again Saturday night, so that'll be an interesting rematch. Um, but yeah, Q, Q, Q is doing great, but Tampa Bay is in good shape. Hopefully Stamkos will be back soon. He's, he's a lower body injury. 
And um, I like I like their chances moving forward. Also last night we saw, I mentioned my other screen on the laptop, I was watching the Penn's Isles and that was the sec, uh, first game to play again this weekend as well. But Penguins first game since the hiring of Brian Burke and uh, Ron Hextall. And, you know, the Penguins are in an interesting position because they're what, right with the Isles when it comes to battling for playoff position. They're, they're both probably going to have to get the four spot in that East division. I, I like Boston. Boston's been off to a great start. You know, obviously Washington, I have a lot of faith in and Philly. Um, I, 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 I think they're better than Pittsburgh right now. Even Brian Burke admitted that before departing Sportsnet. And so last night, obviously, both big game for both teams. And I thought, you know, the Islanders brought the game to them early. Uh, two potentially goal of the year. I mean, Casey Zizekas, who's a fourth line center, just undressing the defense. Matt Barzell scoring another beauty later, late in the game. But again, Pittsburgh showed some of that championship resolve, which I still think is available on this team, where, you know, Evgeny Malkin lets a clap bomb go from the point, 18 seconds left, it beats Varlamov. And that's kind of Pittsburgh MO. They don't give up. Um, and they, I don't love their team. Again, they beat the Islanders who have really been inconsistent this year. So I don't give much credence to that win, but a win's a win. But, you know, Crosby five on five hasn't been that great. Uh, he's come in spurts. I, I don't think he's been that fan. Malkin's been, hasn't been good this year. I think Latang. Uh, again, I'm not a huge Chris Latang fan. Without Brian Dumoulin uh, next to him as a D pair, I think it severely hurts him, obviously. And but the Penguins, you know, what what do they do here? Um, they don't have a first; they don't have picks really. And if they want to win this year to make trades, unless you're doing straight, you know, player for player trade, which is uh, difficult to do, um, I think it's gonna be tough for them to get better quickly here. Uh, it's. You know, for them, they don't have a big pipeline of prospects that you can really brag about. And I think for Brian Burke and Hextall, you know, they're going to obviously evaluate the next couple of weeks and can they get to that four spot? I think they certainly can. Um, I predicted they would before the season. I like them more than I like the Islanders right now. I like them more than the Rangers and obviously New Jersey and Buffalo fall a level below that. And you can get Crosby into the playoffs. Well, who knows? But, you know, my big fear for Pittsburgh is, well, you, you know, you get that four spot. Again, you're not going to get a high draft pick. And, you know, you lose in the first round to Boston. And, you know, Sidney Crosby is a great playoff performer, but he also got swept against Montreal last year in the play-in. That can't be forgotten. I mean, I might believe me, I won't let you forget that. Uh, it, it happened. So, you know, it's, it's boom or bust for, for Pittsburgh. Normally they're a team that's going to win the cup or they're going to go out in the first round in, you know, really an ugly fashion. I mean, they got swept by the Islanders two years ago. So they're after their cups, their playoff success has been none because they haven't won a game since they won the cup in the playoffs. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what, what they do. Um, Malkin's got to, I think Malkin has got to go. I think it'd be better for him if he does move on. Maybe he'll find his game a little more. Um, I don't think he has a problem playing with Sydney more. I don't think that's the issue. I've seen some reports that he wants to be have his own team, and I think that's ridiculous. I mean, he's played with Crosby since he came into the league. They've won together. 
I think that's just another one of those media stories that are completely untrue, but you know, you just write it because you want to, you know, you want to get some clicks, a little clickbait action, but yeah, I, I think they can make the playoffs, but if you lose to Boston in five games, what, what did you really accomplish? You're just a year older and farther away from truly contending for a title. I think a rebuild of sorts is, is needed here. I, I, I do believe that, that they're going to have to make a decision, but if it was me, I, I would consult Crosby, of course, but as a general manager, you got to make your own decisions and stand on your own. Listening to players can only give you so far. Crosby's going to say, let's go all in. Let's try. But what are you going all in? You don't have pros to get really good players. You need to trade at least picks prospects that teams think, well, he can be something. Pittsburgh doesn't even have that right now. So they're in a tricky spot. And, but like I said, I think they can make the playoffs without making a bunch of moves to improve the Islanders, the Rangers. I just don't think they're there. So we'll see what happens, but I pitch Pittsburgh's an interesting spot. The Islanders who had won a couple of games, they lose last night in, in the gimmick, um, which you know, obviously flipped the, flipped the channel after that one, but uh, it ultimately Pittsburgh wins it in the shootout. Um, I mentioned yesterday in the pod, uh, Patrick Line, obviously getting benched his fourth game with in Columbus under John Tortorella. And, you know, they both addressed it. He took it the right way and hopefully you can learn from it. But last night was his first game back. Columbus was in Chicago to battle the Blackhawks. And, you know, strange enough, Patrick Line led all forwards in ice time with just over 20 minutes, uh, 2053. Um, so that's a good sign for him that, you know, towards, did mean it. He's over it. It was one game and you move on from that. And, but for Columbus, they're a team that's been all over the map this year uh, when it comes to consistent play. Um, their defensive play has really struggled at times. Goaltending hasn't been as sharp as you'd like it to be. Uh, Merzlikens and Corpusalo both have kind of let in some soft goals and kind of knocked their team out of position a bunch of times. But last night, line eight plays, you know, like I said, the most minutes, but it was a goal fest in Chicago, six goals in the third period alone, um, six, five win for Columbus, but it was really dramatic at the end, 17, 19 at the 17, 19 mark, Michael Delzato scores his first goal of the year. You know, he was a late signing to Columbus. He's been a good addition, good heart and soul guy playing in, in Anaheim the last couple of years. Um, so that happens. And with just over a minute left, Kevin Stenlin, scores the game-winning goal to make it 6-5 Columbus. And again, six goals in the third period, two goals in, in the last three minutes for Columbus to escape with the victory, not give Chicago any points, which has been what Chicago's been doing. They've been going overtime or a shootout, it seems like, every night. But last night, they, they couldn't hang on. But, you know, a good win for Columbus. You know, Obviously, the big story was the benching, but you come back, you win a shootout, you know, a big shootout, you get a bunch of, Bunch of different goal scores. Michael Dozato, Stenlin, uh, Atkinson scored a shorthanded goal last night. So they're spreading the wealth when it comes to goal scoring. But, you know, hopefully Line A can continue to grow here. I think he's got a, you know, Jack Roslovic has played great since arriving in Columbus. I think Line has been good too. But just take everything in stride. Hopefully that, you know, things turn around with him in Torts. I think Torts is a, is a guy that's going to give him every opportunity as, as long as he continues to earn it. And, but Columbus, again, the central division, they're right there with 
the likes of Dallas and Carolina and Florida. So they're going to be battling all year. It's key that you beat the Chicago's. It's key that you beat the Detroit's in your division because they're just not as talented as you. And you need to take those points to them. It's like in the Canadian division playing Ottawa right now. You need to beat Ottawa every time you play them. And we've seen a lot of the out West teams. That's how they've actually gotten wins. You know, Edmonton, Vancouver, uh, Winnipeg last night, you beat Ottawa. It's still the same two points. It's not worth as much in the meter of your confidence as a, as a team. And maybe, you know, a pundit like me is going to say, well, I don't have as much faith in Edmonton because all I can beat is, is Ottawa, but you know, for your team confidence, it can do wonders. So, um, but yeah, Columbus is going to be an interesting team to watch all year. Line A can walk after this year. So if it doesn't go well, you know, he can just say, uh, I'm going to exit stage left. I'm going to hit free agency. Hopefully I can get some money elsewhere. But I think for him, I think he wants to kind of show people that he can play for a tough coach. He played for one in Paul Maurice, not as tough as Torts, but again, a guy who's kind of old school. He's been, been around a long time. If he can go to Torts, figure out his game, play as a teammate and not as an individual, I think it'll, it'll keep him in Columbus because it'll, they'll, they'll pay him because they'll want that superstar potential. But even if he does that and money's not uh, where it needs to be on both sides, he can at least flaunt that when he gets to, you know, the table, the, uh, the, the when they're nego- negotiating table and say, Hey, uh, you know, I did this in Columbus for a full year. I, I know how to play good defensive hockey. I know how to be a good teammate. I know how to be held accountable. I can take it. Let's, let's see what, what we can do in the off season when it comes to conditioning, I want to get better at it. I want to come into camp. I want to score 50 goals. So for line A for torts, I think it could be, you know, a, a great relationship where Columbus is going to succeed if line A scores goals and does the things right. But Columbus, you know, line A will also succeed if, if he falls toes the line of sorts with, with torts and, and plays the role of a good soldier on this team full of guys that truly some, some of them are cast off. Some of them are just still trying to earn a paycheck every week with, with, with their play. But, but good on, good on line a good on torts for giving them the ice time. And, and obviously Columbus comes up with, with a big victory. Um, a couple notes in the, um, Canadian division, um, wasn't the biggest night for me to watch that division, but you know, Montreal, they, they lose their second in a row and back-to-back nights. They get shut out by the Edmonton Oilers, uh, which is never a good thing with Edmonton's goaltending, but, um, Edmonton's starting to get some scoring from their death players. Jujar Kara scoring last night, Tyson Barry on the power play. You know, they've won three straight after beating Ottawa twice on Monday and Tuesday. But for, for Edmonton, you know, they found their game a little bit. I think they've been playing more consistent hockey. Um, so they can flaunt that a little bit. Um, but for Montreal, it was just kind of a, a tired effort. Um, they didn't have a lot of jump, not a lot of steam there. And, um, yeah, I'm sure they'll want to bring it Saturday against Toronto. I'm sure it didn't sit well that they battled hard third period, but just couldn't put another one past Freddie to, to tie the game. But, you know, sat, Saturday will be, will be another big game for them. They got Toronto again. They're five points behind them right now. They both played an even amount of games, so there's nothing to make up. But, you know, I don't think this is the sky is falling moment in Montreal. I know a lot of Leafs fans want it to be. But, um, you know, as easy as the, a cakewalk as, as this division has been so far, and I don't think Montreal is going to fall under that category. Um, you know, I see 
Montreal and Winnipeg a step above the other Western Canadian teams. But um, yeah, I, I like I like the direction they're going in in, in Montreal. I, like I said all year, they built a team. They didn't couldn't find the, the net last night. Maybe you know missing an elite goal scorer really hurt them last night. But you know back to back games where the depth of the teams that beat them got the better of them. Jujar Kara scoring last night. I, I mentioned Tyson Berry. You need some goals from the likes of a, a Corey Perry, maybe, or a, a Romanoff, you know, I, I, the defenseman that, you know, maybe Brett Kulak, just guys that wouldn't score every game, but just depth guys that contribute. And Montreal's got plenty of those where you look at their first line, you look at their third line, you really can't point out a difference. I mean, I'm going to say the first line is Drouin, Suzuki, and Anderson because Anderson's on it. I mean, that's just my personal preference. And I think he's changed Jonathan Drouin's game, and I don't think that's really debatable. But, um, again, they, they got Toronto Saturday. I'm sure Toronto will want to beat them two in a row. That'll mean a lot to Toronto. Because Toronto, I mean, if they beat – Toronto plays Montreal Saturday. If they win that, then they got Ottawa twice next week. So, you know, that should be a little bit of a run here for Toronto where they can – if they can beat Montreal, they got – they should have two wins in the bank against a, a team with five – five points in the division and only two wins this whole season. So a big, big game Saturday, obviously they jumped seven points ahead them ahead of them in the standings too. So that's tough to make up uh, for, for Montreal as the season goes on, but good, good for Edmonton. Again, they, they've moved into the four spot with this win and um, you know, they're, they're starting to find their game a little bit. I still don't think they're consistent enough, but they, they're, they're playing hard and you got to give them that, that at least, you know, they're contributing without Mc, you know, McDavid's only got three points in his last three games. Obviously that's a point per game, but the last couple of weeks, he's just been tearing up the NHL. So um, that's just news and notes there. Uh, Vancouver struggles continue. Uh, last night they lose another one. They lose their six in a row, all in regulation to Calgary. They play Calgary another three three times in a row. Obviously, Saturday night, um, the second, the back half of Hockey Day in Canada, where after Toronto, Montreal, it'll be Calgary, uh, Vancouver again. But six straight regulation losses, and it's just it's got to be so frustrating for for Travis Green. I don't think he's in the walk year of his contract. If he's fired midway through the season, that's ridiculous. That Jim Benning is allowed to fire another coach. Um, I could see both of them being fired together. Uh, but I don't think Travis Green deserves that. He got that team to a second round game seven last year. And it's not his fault that they didn't bring back Tanev. They didn't bring back Markstrom. And is that everything that's wrong with this team? No, but it's certainly, I mean, we see Quinn Hughes. He does, he's getting tons of points. But that's the thing about statistics sometimes. They're really misleading. And I mentioned that about on this podcast about plus minus. And I bicker with my parents about this all the time. And, you know, I, I, I can watch my sister's games and I can tell you a good plus from, from a, a bad plus. If you're plus three, but you don't even make an exit zone pass, you're just standing there like a garden gnome. Well, that doesn't mean you played a good game. If you look at the stat sheet, you, sit, you can say you scored a great game. In, in play, my playing days, I might have scored a goal five seconds, five minutes into the game. If I dogged it the next two periods, did I really play that well? No. So, it, again, stats, stats are misleading with Quinn Hughes. He's turning the puck turning the puck over. I mean, we saw against Toronto Monday night, Mikheyev just blew him up. And he found Kerfit wide open, put it in the back of the net. I mean, that's not 
that's just bad defensive play. I mean, he's got a terrible plus minus, but again, that minus stings because he had the puck. He got wrestled off the puck as a def- as the other defenseman who was behind the net. What did he do wrong in that play? He was waiting for a pass from Quinn Hughes that didn't come. So look, just looking at a box score after a game is not how you should evaluate a team or how they played. Again, even for shot totals for me, I'm hesitant because if you you watch a game, you can look at shots and you say, okay, that, that was really a shot. There's stuff they count as a shot that's ridiculous, like a dump in and it hit it a goal, he goes out and plays it. It's a shot sometimes. I mean, it's so I think you need to everything with a grain of salt. Like in today's world, everything's just it can't be taken literal. Uh that's when you know shit's really gonna hit the fan. Uh that's when things are taken literally. But for Vancouver. They lose 3-1. Again, it's got to be tough for them to lose to Jacob Markstrom last night because he played really well. Uh, and him playing really well against the old team. Uh, obviously, I didn't think Demko played bad, but only getting one goal, and it's from you know the bottom six. And uh, it's tough right now in Vancouver. I don't. Six straight regulation law. I think Saturday is a virtual must win for them. I mean, they still got three against Calgary, but you need to win two of them for me. You got to get two of them. So you at least get some confidence, start feeling better about yourselves, get some points. I mean, they played more games than any other team in hockey right now. So you're not, it's not like you're playing games to make up. You got to, you got to get some of these wins here. And Vancouver has struggled mightily in the past couple of weeks, uh, playing Ottawa was their saving grace. But as we see, you play Ottawa, doesn't mean you're going to rattle off a bunch of wins. That's just not how this works sometimes. So yeah, Vancouver, good, good win for Calgary. Uh, you know, they've been a team that's uh, been a little inconsistent when they played Toronto, they really didn't bring it. Uh, they didn't have that juice. I think one of my, one of my guys, Chuck didn't really have a huge impact in those games other than, you know, Jake Muzzin flipping a puck at him. But when he can get involved, when he can get invested in a game and then at first five minutes, I think it really shifts Calgary as a team because that's when the team reacts to his energy, to his compete level, and then they start to play. And, you know, playing Vancouver, I think they, they feel that a little bit. The Battle of Alberta wasn't a physical game like I thought it would be, but, you know, Kachuk was invested He's ready to go and he, he can make an impact on the ice and we'll see what happens. Obviously these two teams meet another three times in a row, but it's, I don't mind these series you know, obviously for St. Louis and Arizona, it's brutal right now. If you guys don't know what the whole COVID situation in the Western division, St. Louis and Arizona are playing seven games in a row against each other, basically a playoff series. And, you know, uh, Arizona's went through the first four, they play again tonight. That's got to be brutal um, to only play that team. And you see them all the time. Again, after the series, they won't play again. I don't believe this season. They're just putting games in because of teams away due to COVID. But it's a mess right now. Um, it's a mess right now for for what's going on. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I told you I'd break some news if I got any. So I, I'll do that right now. Uh, Novak Djokovic just defeated Taylor Fritz in five sets at the Australian open, obviously overcoming that injury um, and winning uh, ultimately. 
So he moves on, Dominic team moves on, and uh, the men's draw is starting to look pretty stacked uh, at the Aussie Open. But um, yeah, big win, big win for Djokovic, the world number one to stay in the in the Open. And we'll see how the injury affects him um, longer term here in the tournament. But yeah, a lot of good, again, you know, the, the Vegas LA game, um, no, sorry, San Jose, the LAs, they're, they're tough to get excited for. Uh, it's there. I'll watch those games on a Friday night when there's the one game, I, what the NHL should do a little bit more. They put only a couple games on a couple of Fridays. They should put those LA say LA San Jose on a Friday night as a standalone started at 10 or 11. And I think people are going to tune in to watch that game. And maybe you can appreciate it a little bit more. You can watch, you know, Anderson Dolan, you know, Drew Doughty had three assists last night, played in 25 minutes. Uh, you know, Austin Wagner, Carl Gunstrom, a former Maple Leaf prospect. I think that's a smarter way to market. I think they struggle with the marketing, the Western division. And, you know, there's some good, I mean, you look at the top of that St. Louis, Vegas, Colorado, those are three of the best teams in the NHL, way better than the, than the Canadian division. But again, we wouldn't know that you wouldn't know that if you just watch Sportsnet or TSN because they never mentioned them. It's never even thought about. It's all the Canadian division all the time. And I get it. You got to cater your, to the Canadian market, but that doesn't mean you can just go mute about all the other great teams that are in the league. I mean, St. Louis won a cup two, two years ago. Vegas went to a cup final three years ago. Colorado's looking like a fringe Stanley cup contender. You probably should market those teams before four minutes before you see them. I don't know, I'm not a marketing genius. I took a couple of classes in university, but you're going to see those teams deep in the playoffs and with no knowledge or anything on them. I don't think that's the best strategy. Why not try to promote these teams a little bit more rather than, Oh, great. We got Ottawa, Winnipeg again. We got Ottawa, Winnipeg here Thursday night. Can't wait for, can't wait for Edmonton versus, uh, Edmonton versus Ottawa or Edmonton, Montreal, Vancouver, Montreal for the eighth time this year. Well, who cares? Vancouver is not going to be playing when, when the likes of Vegas and St. Louis are, and it's a really good series. I think if this, whatever happens say Colorado finishes first, that means Vegas is going to play St. Louis in the first round of the playoffs. I'll sign up for that. I don't know about you, but I'm fine with that. Then the two winners play each other. What series would be better in the playoffs? Because those two teams are heavy as hell. They're really skilled. What ha, what series will be better? I guarantee you the Toronto-Edmonton series is not going to be better than that one. And if it is for you, well, we enjoy hockey for different reasons, I guess. But it's just, we can you can do both. You can talk about Toronto for your 18 hours a day, but there is 24. So you can talk six hours about the other divisions and kind of the teams there. And it's just a thought. It's just, it's just a thought. I don't know. Again, Sportsnet and TSN are probably not going to be looking to hire me because I'm, uh, I'm not the, uh, the hype guy for the Canadian division or just reiterating the same point 80 times uh, during these uh, radio programs. But again, busy night in the NHL, a lot of games, only two tonight with Boston playing the Rangers for the second time in three nights. Boston won Wednesday, really ugly effort for them, but they still get the victory over the Rangers. And then St. Louis and Arizona, 
where, you know, Arizona's been getting the better of St. Louis. And I think Arizona is a pretty good team. They're a team to watch. Uh, you know, Connor Garland, the former Moncton Wildcat, leads the team in assists. He's also a good goal scorer. Darcy Kemper is starting to find his game in that. He's one of the more underappreciated goaltenders, just being so big, but also really skilled and a guy to keep your eye on when it comes to uh, potential trades. I know they, they don't want to move him, but they're a team that's been wanting to up, unload money. Uh, trying to trade captain over Oliver Ekman Larson last off season. So could Darcy Kemper become available? If Arizona keeps winning, I doubt it. But if I'm Colorado, I kick tires on Darcy Kemper and see what the ask is because he would instantly make them a Stanley cup threat. And I think it would propel them into first place in that division. When it comes to who do you see winning it? I would put Colorado first with, with Kemper. I like him that much and uh, what, what he brings to the table. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there, but interesting name to keep your eye on. Obviously that would be an interdivision trade, but again, after this year, Colorado goes back to the central Arizona goes back to the Western division. So you play each other less. It wouldn't be as big of a problem. So just something to keep your eye on. Um, the Australian open, I mentioned that off the top and then just with Djokovic winning, but la last night we saw Two Canadians do battle. Two really good friends. And Denis Shapovalov, the world number 15, against uh, Felix Ojealiasim, who's coming into this tournament unranked. However, it was Felix who beat Dennis again. I, I mentioned Felix, Felix beat Dennis at the Rogers Cup a few years ago. He beats Dennis last night in straight sets. Really impressive win. Uh, nine sets for, for Felix played, and he's won all nine of them. Uh, he's been dominant so far in this tournament he goes to a round of 16 that's only the second time this has happened in his career he he's a kid that's got a lot of power i still think he's making some he makes some rookie mistakes where he's, he's a young guy but you know for dennis shapovalov i think this is so frustrating for him because last year was really his breakout year where we saw him go in a deep run quarterfinal uh, at a major and he just he, he couldn't do it at the french Third round exit here on hard courts where you know he had his success at the open. It's just, you know, where are you, Dennis? Again, you play Felix, but you're the favorite coming in. You, you should have won this match on paper. But again, the errors, kind of his temperament, he lost it early in the first set and kind of didn't gain back his composure. Felix had all of that. And, you know, as much as Dennis was really the spotlight guy last year, I think Felix Ojea Felix Oje Aliasim, sorry, can be the next great men's tennis player. And I don't, I'm not going to say he's going to win a major because I think that's, I think it's been proven that's really tough to win majors. Bianca won one and she's been injured forever. Who knows if she wins another one? I, I would put money on her winning another one if she can stay healthy, but it's really hard to, to win in, in any sport. But again, with tennis, especially with men's tennis, um, for Dennis, you got to win. And it's, it's tough for him right now. Um, again, I, I still think he has a lot of promise. He's still young. He can find it, but I think this loss will sting with him for a while. Cause you want to have a chance to keep moving on, to keep improving. And he's, and he loses to Felix guy younger than him. He's friends with, but if you keep losing your friends and, What's going to happen to you? And I, I worry about that for him. Also last night, Milos Raonic advanced with a four set win over Martin Fusevich. Uh, he's you know, lost one set so far. 
His serves look great. He's into the fourth round. I mean, this is you know, Milos is great on hard courts and grass. Obviously, grass is his best surface with just the way the ball bounces and things of that nature. But he's looked good. Obviously, two Canadian men into the round of 16 is an impressive feat for them. Um, I, I, I like, I like, I don't know if I love their chances. Obviously, they're still waiting for the draw to come out to see um, if they're going to be playing, if one of them gets stacked up against Djokovic or if he gets stuck with Medvedev or things of that nature. But you know, two men into the round of 16 is a good thing for men's tennis. Obviously, Milos Raonic has had a tough time because he's been a top 10 player in the world. But he is never healthy. You know, he's always got something lingering injury, usually right before a major. Where he's like, "Well, I can't play the French. You know, my my knee's acting up, and it's this and this." Obviously, he's a big server. He's a really tall guy. But I wish him all the best. I mean, I, I, for these guys, I hope they can at least play competitive matches. Sorry, um, just play play strong, play, play to win. And, um, you know, speaking of winners, I mean, Serena Williams had a tough first set last night against Potapova, wins it in a tie break and then cruises in the second set. I think that little bit of a test where she was down a break will do her better in the long run of the tournament. She, you know, she could see that it wasn't going well and she had to adapt and figure it out. And she did, she broke back then won it and kept going for her. It hadn't been strange to see her lose in a third round or a, you know, round of 16, the past number of tournaments, she's got a tough matchup uh, with Sabalenka in the quarter, in the quarter uh, round of 16, sorry. Sabalenka is a big server. She's got some power like Serena does. So that'll be interesting to see how she counter punches that. But um, it's hard to bet against Serena Williams. Like I said yesterday, you can make the argument that she is the greatest athlete in the history of sports, um, men or men or women. It doesn't matter. Um, she's that good. And but again, she's in a draw with Naomi Osaka, which which will be tough for her. She's got you know, there's some good matches with uh, Muguruza still around, so we'll see what happens with with the women's draw. But uh, you know, again, like I said last night, Dominic team comes back from two sets down in a Kyrgios to win it in five sets. A lot of moving parts. Tsitsipas winning in five sets the day before. So you know, a lot of big names getting scared, but not ultimately you know, pulling the shoot just yet or being eliminated, but excuse me. Um, but it's, it's good to see from, um, from Serena. Uh, it's more interesting in the tournament when she keeps winning, I think her playing Osaka uh, in the semifinal would really be the, the hype point of the tournament for me. I think Osaka is the future of women's tennis. I think she's the best women's tennis player currently, but you're playing against, you know, the greatest champion, in tennis history in Serena Williams. So we'll see, we'll see what that brings, but it was, a, it was a great night in the world of sports, a lot of hockey, some basketball last night, nothing too, too memorable. The Boston Celtics uh, beating the Toronto Raptors, you know, the Raptors have been slowly climbing the standard uh, standings. They were obviously started, started the season two and eight, but they've won a bunch lately and they've actually risen to fifth in the East heading into last night. But you know, they lose to, they lose to the Celtics without Marcus Smart. And what it really proved to me last night with the Raptors is that they're not an elite team. And that's been put to bed for me. You lose to Boston. They've lost to Milwaukee this year. 
They lost to Portland. These 500 teams they've been losing to above, above 500. You're beating the teams that you should beat, but the elite elite teams are still getting the better of them. And I take from that, that um, it's not going to get much better. You know, it's going to, it's going to be tough for them to overcome that, you know, Charlotte, might come in and say, okay, well, we're done. You know, we're going to be out of the playoffs, whatever. But if you're the sixth seed, say, and you're playing uh, Boston or Milwaukee, possibly Philly, that's not an easy win for you. That's that's a difficult win. And it wouldn't be a first-round matchup I'm super pumped about. Them getting the four or five seed, I think, could propel them into a second round where they play Ferb or, uh, you know, just anybody. But – it's yeah I, I don't four or five seed they could maybe play indiana uh but again i i i don't like their chances that they finish below the fourth or fifth seed because you're gonna have to play one of the three big boys in the east and i don't think they have enough firepower to overcome that so uh yeah just just a good 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 effort all in all but uh, from the Raptors lately, but you know, they lose one on a back-to-back and again, the Celtics with, with the Milwaukee and Philly, uh, Philly losing in Portland last night, but they look like the three best teams in the East. And then after that, there seems to be a big divide between, you know, four and eight uh, when it, when it comes to the creme de la creme in, in this division. But like I said, a lot, lot happening this weekend. We got uh, hockey day in Canada. We got some uh, golf. We got uh, NBA action. Um, but I, it's going to be a lot happening this weekend. Uh, Saturday's got a huge slate. I think 12 games in the NHL on Saturday. Almost every team will be in action, including uh, starting at 4 o'clock between Winnipeg and Ottawa on the first for triple header for hockey day in Canada. And, you know, what – these are important games for Winnipeg because you want to get those points. You know, you're playing a weaker team for Ottawa. They, you know, they played better than Winnipeg last night, but the goaltending has been terrible. They sent down Marcus Hogberg who looks, who looks the part when it comes to not being NHL goaltending, not being ready. He's not ready to play. They had to send him down. They called up Joey Duckord, who was an NCAA goaltender to back up Matt Murray. And it's ugly right now. It's ugly. Um, but Ottawa, they only get two wins and, you know, moral victories in sports are really, uh, as Pat Quinn liked to say, a loser's race. And, but uh, that's all really Ottawa can do right now. Vancouver is not far off when it comes to just having little excuses for why your team has been terrible, but we'll see what happens. Uh, see what happens this weekend. Like I said, a lot of games, um, Tampa, Florida rematch, Pittsburgh Isles rematch, Pittsburgh playing Washington on Sunday on NBC. Um, this will be the first Sunday without football. So that will be a, a sad day for myself. And that realization come two o'clock when I'm like, what the hell am I going to do today? Um, but yeah, that's really all I got for you guys today. It's, it's been fun. Um, again, just check, you know, it's good to learn about some other teams and what, what they're doing, but um Everybody just enjoy your weekend. Obviously it's a, it's a long weekend with family day or whatever. Um, be nice if we had some vaccines coming through, but um, we'll, we'll get them in a couple of years for sure. Uh, but everybody 
stay safe, have, have a good weekend. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow to talk with uh, Creighton Fillmore about our Mount Rushmore of, of athletes and sports, which, which should be a lot of fun. So uh, be on the lookout for that tomorrow, tomorrow, just about after lunch. So uh, be ready for that, but everybody have a great Friday and uh, we'll talk soon.